please become large. <laughs> hey, boomers! Welcome again to your fortnightly online guide to the Sega Sessional world of the 1990s and the UK's official Sega comic. It's Sonic the Comic, the podcast. We are your humans who think we're in charge around here. My name is Chris McFeely. And my name is Dave Boomer. And it's time to get it on with us in another episode <laughs> of this. What a rubbish cover, though. <laughs> This is issue number 96 of Sonic the Comic, cover dated February the 4th, but released on January the 22nd. And this is the second cover in a row that's just clip art. I don't think they had any money at the start of the year. That could be it, yeah. Yeah, I can't be persuaded that this was not already a piece of art they had on file. It's just a head-on Sonic standing there. It's got all of the hallmarks of having been, you know, pasted from a vector or whatever it is they used to do. And uh, what they've done is it's the piece of artwork from which they've snipped the badge that comes free. Free badge, free badge, it says across the top. So nice, they badged it twice. It's a... Oh, and now these days, don't think pins, everyone. We're talking about a circular badge with a safety pin on the back. Well, a consultation of images of the badge uh, stuck to the comic on Google suggests it was a good quality metal badge. So so that's something, because, as I say, there's clearly the advertising budget has been blown over Christmas. Last issue was the clip art of Sonic that was stuck to the front of the free gift from last issue, the Sonic Spinner. This issue is the clip art of Sonic that was stuck to the free gift on this one, the badge. Uh, I hope that stops now after this <laughs> and we get some good, nice covers. Because we do, we do. Real covers do come back. But the, the January issues, the, the money must have been thin on the ground. Yeah. Um, and the, so the badge is the face of this Sonic. Uh, but it's zoomed in so far. It's not mm. even just the round part of so you If you didn't, I, and I actually quite appreciate this. If you didn't know it was Sonic, then you can't find out it's Sonic from this badge because he hasn't got his spikes. Yeah, it's, it's a little, little secret identifier. You wear that. Yeah. If anybody knows what it is, then you know and you've got a cool dude on your hands. It's like, hey, <laughs> yeah. you know, that's Sonic. Yeah, because um, it's just like his eyes and nose and mouth. And, and yeah, it's very, very zoomed in, this badge. So it's actually quite a cool badge done on the cheap. I don't mind that. But um, hmm. And so the cover art itself is just the full Sonic standing there with his hands mm-hmm. on his hips. A starburst. Uh, it says, get it on. That's the big slogan. Get it on. Bang a gong. Yeah, because it's a badge. You get it on, yeah. And out of that is coming all starburst effects and, you know, balls and all sorts of things. Very primitive uh, photoshoppery. Mm-hmm. Glowing spheres and things. Plus, new stories this issue. Sonic, Teals, Robotnik, plus Worldwide Soccer 97 review, Badnik pinup, and more. Uh, is there more? There's the letters page, I guess. I, I suppose there is. Um, <laughs> Technically. Technically, there's more. There's barely that. I mean, I don't really see why they're describing that Sonic's world as a Robotnik strip. Uh, shorter, I guess. <laughs> okay. To write on the cover, I mean. Fewer fewer letters. Oh, I see. <laughs> right, yeah. I thought you meant the strip is only five pages, so therefore it's Robotnik. To be honest, it does mean more as a strip title. Sonic's yes. world as a strip title, in isolation, yeah. is a bit meaningless. Yes, if the, I would have been happy if this exact strip had been called Robotnik. Yeah. That would have been fine. I sort of wish they'd done that. I don't mind it being called Sonic's World in the grand scheme of things, where we have the Sonic <laughs> strip, and then the yeah. strip about what's happening back on Sonic's World while Sonic is stuck in the special zone. But uh, when you're announcing it, it's clearer to people looking at the cover in a shop what it is than saying, hey, Sonic's World. Before we get inside, though, we got to go over to the back, because we got to... It's, it's, an, it's an ad... 
So this is one of those things that we get in STC where it's an advert for two different things simultaneously. <laughs> it, this is another, what's this, our third Muller Kids Corner advert? I think so. Yeah, we, we previously had little trolls and button covers. They were crucial. Yep. And now, in 1997, which is where we are now, where we live, Muller are offering go-go's in every pack. Uh, if you don't recall Muller Kids Corners, it's a, a large square pot of yogurt where the majority of it is a big pot of yogurt, but one of the what, uh, a corner of the square is partitioned off and contains a little toy with which a child might play. What a great idea that is. Good idea. Not as good as Frufo's, where the toy was in the middle of a ring of yogurt. That was better, but this is good. It's a solid idea, but I feel yeah. like Muller has yet to truly offer anything decent in those little pockets, because they're very small pockets. Well, that's the problem. So there's not much room for a good little toy, is there? No. Little troll trolls aren't bad from a no. collectible point of view. The button covers raw sewage. Yeah. But uh, trolls not bad, and these are go gos. Go gos. Did you ever have any go gos? Listen, <laughs> I can't say to you now with any certainty <laughs> and any memory of ever owning a go go. Right. But absolutely, yes. <laughs> Every household in the United Kingdom, if you reach down mm, the back mm. of your sofa, there'll be There'll some go-go's go -go. down there. Listeners, go-go's were a fascinating attempt by a Spanish company called Magic Box Int uh, to, to basically come up with a new Pogs. As I understand it, I think in America it was the guy who publicized Pogs bought this. Right. So Pogs was a branded version of an alleged olden days game played using the cardboard caps and milk bottles. Go-Go's, that, it went further back. This is an ancient game. They're meant to be little plastic updates of sheep knuckle bones. Really? Okay. Yeah, knuckle bones. It was a, The game is called Knuckle Bones. But the thing is, they'd already been updated. This is what jacks are. Uh... Little, little metal multi-pronged things like 3D asterisks that our parents had as kids. And the, what, you do in the, well, you do, what you do in the game with Go-Go's, as with jacks, is... Anything you can think of that you could do with some little knobbly things. And I think it's usually like you throw a ball up and see how many you can pick up before you have to catch it again. That sort of thing. But here, they're little, lumpy, knobbly, plastic guys with eyes in various shapes. Little, little things. Little guys. Yeah. They're all shaped like like a thing. Now, I, one you, I, I'm glad you noticed that. Yes. And have you seen here? Uh, cool and rare glow-in-the-dark Go-Go 2 to collect. Um, I've, there's a, I've got a little whinge that we can do here, Chris, about internet people. Because, uh, apparently, as a means of making them rare, and therefore more collectible, uh -huh. they stopped making the first series of Go-Go's altogether. Oh, see, because what I read that as being was cool and rare glow-in-the-dark Go-Go, two to collect. It probably is, isn't it? But It's just, it's very bad uh, layout work. No, look here. Look on the right. Scrummy yogurt in one corner, genuine go-go two in the other. Oh, so it is. No, it is go-go right. two. Is. Oh, no, you're right. Oh, well, shut my mouth. Well, I no, apologize, oddly outman person. No, you're right. That's right. But here's the thing, right? So so they stopped making the first series of go-go's altogether, and they launched mm -hmm. series two subtitled Things. Exactly what? as you said. That was we, what it was called. That's things. what it was called. Which is what go were they shipped like originally? Uh, just lumpy guys, just little, just fellas. little knobbly lumps with faces on. Yep, right. So the things series two of Gogos, they were styled after common objects, food, whatever. Um, do you want to read us off a couple of random selections from this page that we can see? Burger. Yeah. Sack. Yeah. Sack. Spray. <laughs> Where have you jar. Seen sack. Scales. Ice cream. There's a washing machine. Toast. There's a pair of scissors guy. 
There's I'm a... specifically listing off the ones there who are just named after the thing that they are. Ah, uh, yes. So that you get the idea. Lamp, coffee pot. Happy book. Letter. Uh, and then there's other ones that are like, you know, there's a one that's a computer called Online. Nice. Or one that's that an one. ice cream cone called Tutti Frutti. Or one that's an ink pot called Inky. Mm. Or one that's... Uh... You'd call that one blot, surely. Come on. Well... Or one that's a toilet called WC, or one that I'm assuming is a toilet roll called Bum Bum. Oh! Let me find that one. Where's that? By the chap's ear on the left. Bum Bum! Yes, you're absolutely right, and it isn't clear what it is, is it? That's why I'm assuming. Yes. So, when they closed down Series 1 and brought out things, that was in, uh, according to Wikipedia, 1999. Once again, proving that online fans of everything are wrong about everything, uh, except for us, the only trustable people on the internet, because here they are in 1997. Here they are in 1997, yeah. So there. Yeah, so there. <laughs> I mean, realistically, what these are, the Things series specifically, yeah. I guess, is that they are the ancestor of your Shopkins, your oh, grocery yes. gangs, your Moshi Monsters. Yes. The, the, where where they stop trying to t- t- get you to play games with things, and it's just like they're just little things, mm. just little things with faces on. Little guys you might like, and that's that's very much how I saw them at the time. I didn't, I never played a game with my gogos. I just had them. I like liked them. So this ad is a kid surrounded by all these gogos pulling a big silly face, like like the kind of face a gogo might pull. All drawn, no no photos of gogos. It's all drawings, like all previous kids' corner ads. All drawings, yes. Pulling a big silly face like a go-go might pull, and it mm-hmm. says across the top, Warning, do not attempt to copy any go-go's face while the wind is blowing. Referring to the classic parental warning mm. that if you make faces <laughs> and the, the wind, wind changes. changes, it'll stick like that. Yes. What an odd... I wonder where they got that from. That's such they a... got it from their parents. Yeah, but what an amazing piece of magical thinking that is. That the wind changes and then whoosh... It's like it's like the poles reverse, and now everyone's <laughs> stuck with whatever face they were doing at the time. <laughs> Do you remember around this time, there was a whole... Not this, but there was a whole brand that came out, and you could get all sorts of things of this brand, stationary posters, that was just, here's some faces we've drawn. Mm. And they were in squares, and they were well-drawn, and they were just all doing like this, doing pulling faces, these faces, different colours. I mean... I don't remember it specifically, but... You believe it? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> As yeah. before. No, I don't remember what you're talking about, but yeah, sure. <laughs> if I ever find I, out... I'm 100% I'll, I'll you know that's definitely want. something that happened, yeah. Anyone remember this, listeners? <laughs> anyway, it isn't this, so... <laughs> but that was the ethos of the Go-Go's. It was just some little guys, and yeah. they bec- Honestly, I, I only... I think that the whole game part of it was just because that was what the branding of Pogs was. It's inevitable that they started just bringing out ones without a game. Yeah, yeah. It's the transitionary ancestor mm. between Pogs, the big yeah. sh- phenomenon of the 1990s, <laughs> and and stuff like, yeah, Grocery Gang and Shopkins and that from, from the last decade. I wish I had felt secure enough in my adulthood and manliness to have bought some Shopkins when I saw them in Tesco. They looked... <laughs> Fantastic, and I really wanted them. Uh, adorable little things. Do I mean Shopkins? I might mean grocery ones, whatever it was. There was one you might mean there. grocery. Well, grocery yeah. gang was spelled G R O S S E R gang because they were, ooh, slimy. It was all a bit 90s, really. Oh, yes. look how gross. Yay. It might have been that, yeah. But as a Transformers fan, I, I had mm. the advantage of, uh, of, uh, several years later and slightly too late to, ca- to maximally capitalize upon the, um, appeal of the brand, uh, Hasbro created Bot Bots. 
<laughs> it's such a good name. You've seen a bot bot, yes, Steve? Yes, I've seen a bot bot. I've seen a I've seen a bot bot in my time. Because <laughs> yeah, I would I would go and get some bot bots to show you, but I do not have to. Uh, tremendous little things, lovely little guys, uh, little yeah. everyday objects, just like this, like that, this? Uh, bur- including burgers and ice creams, and there must have been a toilet chairs and books and all sorts of things that, uh, yeah, transformed into little, little robots. Brilliant. Was there a toilet roll one? Oh gosh, yes, it Thank transformed into Dave. Dave, <laughs> it transformed into a robot mummy. Oh, yes. I gotta tell you what its name is. Is it called Bot Bot Bum Bum Mummy? <laughs> oh no, it's been recolored a couple of times. Well, the Bot Bots were all. Well, sub- once you've recolored your toilet roll, it's time to get rid of it. I think <laughs> they were all subdivided into groups, gangs. So there's a bunch of food themed ones, and tech themed ones, and sports themed ones, and toilet themed ones. <laughs> There's a whole toilet-themed team. The toilet paper's name, because he was a mummy, is he was King Toots. Toots, like, like a fart. Yes. Like a fart that comes oh, from your bum. Your, right out of your bum. <laughs> hey! Right. Okay, so Sonic the Comic. <laughs> Raise the tone a bit. Pop <laughs> It means bottom. Control zone. Hey, boomers, let's face it like a bird's face. The exclusive Sonic badge on the front cover is a totally handsome gift because the badge is just Sonic's face. Very handsome. Wear your hedgehog with pride and you'll really stand out from the crowd. You can pay me that money now, Sonic. Some other goodies to pin down like a badge's pin. (laughs) Our three new stories, starting with Sega's 24-hour hero, Sonic. Tails returns as the virtual reality fox. That's fur like a fox's mm-hmm. fur. And it's showtime. Wow, it's pretty bad, this issue, huh? <laughs> it's just puns up the left, isn't it? <laughs> and it's showtime in Sonic's world with Mock the Duck. Okay. Looking ahead to STC's next Pulse Racing Valentine's issue. No, we can't be at a Valentine's issue already. I mean, it's been two issues since Christmas, so yeah. It's been two issues since the last Valentine's card, is what it's been. <laughs> I don't think they'll give a card away next issue. Oh, boo. Oh, they, they, <laughs> they're giving up on us finding love now. We've got Sonic. They'd have to pay somebody to make it. <laughs> no. And there's just not the money. It's not there. <laughs> no, just bung this same clip art on it and put a part <laughs> in the background. So looking ahead to SCC's next Pulse Rating Valentine's issue, see below. Boomers will be glad to know that Decap Attack return. Way. Hey, Decap Attack Return. That's a group name, Decap Attack. Now, yeah, they. I think like they've done that before. Use Decap mm. Attack as like a a plural referring to the four guys, like Chaotics, uh, for a hearty new series. Hearty like a Valentine's heart. Uh, oh, I get it. Plus, there's a double page pinup that implies it's a pinup of a Decap Attack, doesn't it? It does, doesn't it? Hmm. Let's see. So I'll be with you in a fortnight. Come rain or come shine, and remember, boomers. You needn't snow me under with your adoring cards. Snow like snow is weather, like rain or shine. Oh, all right then, if you have to. Hmm. That uh, C below refers to the fact that uh, the next issue box is just Hmm. here on the control zone. There's nothing else uh, in the control zone except the next issue box. Oh, you're right. uh, We will return to that at the end of the episode. I never thought of that. Gosh. I don't like when they put this. It's happened once Mm. or twice before. Mm. You know, even before all the, the page cutting and everything mm. you know they've done it once or twice before and i don't like it i don't mm. want to be thinking about it. it's almost like don't, don't don't worry about the next 24 pages here's what's coming next in, in yeah. two weeks time you know yeah yeah yeah. no I, I want my excitement to build and then be told what's coming i don't mind them telling us on this page what's coming in the next issue but it shouldn't be 
the box oh, that the, tells you. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. I don't mind Megadroid teasing it. Yeah. But yeah, see if showing about me it. the piece of art or whatever until we get yeah. to the very end. Yeah. But it, it implies that from now on it's going to be a scramble issue by issue for the editors to figure out where to cram the next... You know, they've sold adverts this issue so they can't have the next issue page on the back or in the middle. So they've sort of scuppered themselves moving forward and we'll see what they do to cope. <laughs> see how they figure it out, yeah. The any of these new titles in the charts jump out at you, Nuv? Uh, do you know, I didn't even really spot any. Virtua Cop 2 on the Saturn, Command & Conquer. That's that's interesting, Command & Conquer. That's a clicky game from computers. Mm. From the PC, I think now we're basically beyond the on the Amiga era of SCCDP. I don't no, think there's suppose, any more, yeah. oh, wow, any more Amiga games are being made now. The end of an era? That's it. Worms was it. That was the last significant Amiga game, yeah. So, But this was on, on the, the PC! PC. Don't know how that's going to work on a certain actual golf. I don't, I'm not interested in that. <laughs> and new on the Game Gear, Man Overboard. <laughs> yeah, I checked it, Dave. The Mega CD and the Game Gear charts. This is their third time not being altered. This is the third issue in a row where they're all reprinted. It right if and you know, no, but Dave, do you know okay. what that made me realize? What? It's been since the start of 1997 that that has begun repeating. Oh. And yes, I went ahead and checked next issue. Oh. I don't think Elspa are collecting Mega CD and Game Gear chart information anymore. Right, so they're just scrambling because they haven't got anything to fill the space with. So they're like, well, listen, yeah. uh, the because the reason they won't be collecting information, it will be about the same. Because nothing, no, no, nobody's, these things aren't on sale anymore. Like... The chart's never going to change. The Mega CD is dumb. Yeah, it must be, right? 1997? PlayStation's out. Never mind Saturn. I guess. No one's getting Mega CD anymore. But the Mega Drive still has new stuff. Uh, does it? I mean, there's nothing new this episode. No, but the chart does continue to update for the Mega Drive. Good. So yeah, it's Mega CD and Game Gear. Probably completely dead, certainly. So what happens after this? Well, that's what we'll have to wait and see, wouldn't it? <laughs> changes are coming. Mm. And they're bad changes and they scare us. Because <laughs> it's 1997 now. The world's not the same anymore. <laughs> I don't like it. Too old. Hero Hour. Written by Lou Stringer. Art by Andy Pritchett. Letters by Tom Frame. When Sonic attempts to apprehend bank robber The Yob, he's told to stand down and let some of New Tech City's real heroes do the job, the Zed Monkeys! Unfortunately, this crime happens to coincide with Hero Hour, the one hour a day the uncanny team of mutant monkeys set aside to pose dramatically. So it's up to Sonic to stop The Yob after all. Afterward, he pays a visit to the Zed Monkeys' mentor, Professor Zed, to give him a piece of his mind and quickly clocks that he's really the monkey's enemy, Madmino, in disguise, using the pointless hero hour to keep them busy so his buddies can commit crimes. Sonic sorts the baddie right out, and leaves more convinced than ever that he's got to get out of the special zone as soon as he can. For Chris's sanity, if nothing else. <laughs> I... I, I, no, I want it on the record. I genuinely approached this with an open mind. Uh-huh. I really, uh -huh. truly, genuinely did. I believe it. It's f***ing dreadful. So did I. And I loved it. <laughs> I, I, uh, I, I really thought that this one, because yep. this is, it is 
such a pronounced uh-huh. parody yes. that's actually offering commentary on the comics yes, of the day. That's the thing. Unlike anything that's come before yep. it, it's genuinely offering a commentary. Yeah. But it's so f***ing stupid. <laughs> I couldn't be doing with it. And as a kid reading the comic in the shop, yeah, yeah. this was my tipping point. Yeah. But I promise, I promise, mm-hmm. I really did come to this with an open mind, thinking there might be something to it as an adult yeah. that I didn't properly perceive as a kid. Well, there certainly was for me. I loved it. There was <laughs> In 1996, I was indifferent to this, because of course I didn't care about the X-Men, didn't know about them. In 2022, I I just tittered and chortled and chuckled my way through this. It's just a load of... It's like, um... Well, it's a full-on Stringer in this issue, more than ever before, is doing his gag strip stuff. And yes. this is like an X-Men parody from Round the Bend or something. It's it, just it, some yes. silly jokes about the X-Men. It, and I like this. <laughs> it's so dumb, though. <laughs> It's just such silly round-the-bend names. Yeah. Sonic needn't even be in it. No. It's not interested in being a Sonic story. And there is... I have to be honest, like... (laughs) And and I don't want to, like, ascribe anything to Stringer that's not meant to be there. Mm -hmm. But it really... It does feel like... And he wasn't even that old at the time. (laughs) Probably younger than we are now. Probably. But it, it does feel like... A grumpy old man <laughs> mouthing off about how the 90s have ruined comics maybe compared that. to the cool comics from the 70s yes. that were when he read them. It does. Maybe that is why I connected with it. <laughs> because, yeah, it's all about the hero. The, the Hulk yeah. is, is like mocking the fact that heroes pose. Yeah. Which was just a bit of a thing in the very artist-driven comics yes. of the 1990s with their fondness for huge splash pages and double-page spreads of Jim Lee's X-Men, very specifically, mm-hmm. of, of the characters all just posing dramatically yeah. mid-scene. Yep, getting their muscles out, flexing them, capes everywhere, whatever it is you've got on your hero. Because the X-Men... Like, so the, the Zed Monkeys team is... Yep. And there are, I will grant you, <laughs> some very good jokes yeah. in that much. I mean, they're outweighed by the bad jokes, but there are some good jokes. <laughs> I think I like the bad jokes. Go on. Yeah. Um, there's Cycle Clips, who is the Cyclops parody, whose power is to... Uh, he just throws bicycle clips at you. He doesn't even <laughs> shoot them out of his eyes, but but that's that's good. That's good. There's Grey Jeans, uh, who is yeah. the, gray, the yeah, Jean, Jean Grey parody, <laughs> who wears a pair of grey jeans. That's it. And the climaxing gag is that they don't actually know what her powers are, which feels to me like a riff on the fact that this is at a point in time uh-huh. when Jean Grey was just Jean Grey. She didn't have a code name. Oh. She'd been Marvel Girl and Phoenix right. in the past, but she didn't have a code name in the 90s. And the fact that she has no obviously identifiable powers feels like a riff on the fact she was using a non-code name that communicated nothing about the character. I thought that was a bit weird when I found out that there was an X-Man called Jean Grey. It's like, and this is Cyclops, and this is, you know, Bob Smith. Yeah. <laughs> she uh, she she did she'd been phoenix and marvel yeah. girl in years past but and as again now but um yeah i think that's what that's a riff on um and those are good but then we've got armpit who's a, a riff on gambit gambit armpit who seems to shoot lightning out of his armpits that's the one i wrote down that made me laugh first it was like ah, armpit lol <laughs> chimpoline <laughs> Who is Wolverine. Yes. And that's not anything. No. That's nothing. 
But what I do like about Chimpoline is that he's literally just a Wolverine monkey. But yeah. he, for safety, he's got corks on the end of his knives. That's a good gag. I will give you that. <laughs> and the last one is Snow Monkey, the Chimp of Chill, who is the Iceman parody. So what oh. we've actually got here is a five-man team. It's the original X-Men from the 60s. Oh, yeah. But he's subbed out the Angel and the Beast for the two hottest, coolest X-Men mm. of the 90s, Wolverine and Gambit. Yeah. So the gears start turning at that point. Uh-huh. That's right. Oh, so so that's in his head. That's his X-Men yeah. is the original Lee Kirby X-Men. And he's subbed in two of the hot new current guys. And uh, and that's where I start connecting dots about what this story is doing. <laughs> snow Monkey, by the way, listeners, is literally a snowman of a monkey that someone's made. And for the rest of the issue, they carry it around in a wheelbarrow. Yes, it just uh, collapses in, in, <laughs> a, not, in piles. It's not a guy. It's not a guy. It's a snowman I mean, monkey. it might be a guy. <laughs> it, ne- it might be. It never moves or does anything. All that happens is that as the issue goes on, it melts into the yes. wheelbarrow. The big dramatic panel where everyone unleashes their powers. <laughs> Cycloclips hurling his cycloclips. Armpit shooting lightning out of his armpits. Grey Jean saying, has anyone figured out what my powers are? <laughs> um, it is Snow Monkey in the wheelbarrow with a huge dramatic sound effect going, MELT! <laughs> That's a pretty good gag, too. I did laugh at that one. I think it's all quite good gags. Uh, but then, one of the ways in which I think it's good gags is that some of them are so stupid. <laughs> the gags themselves are all right. It's, yeah. it's this moronic story that they are then made part of. This is X-Men jokes. And now that I get them, I find this a good wheeze. Oh, and the yob is the blob, obviously. Oh, yes. The big fat X-Men villain. He even does the old, nothing can budge the yob, the whole nothing moves the blob, the character's catchphrase. Uh, and then <laughs> Professor Zed, though, for some reason, is Charles Atlas. Mm. You know, instead of being a Professor X parody, it's it's Charles Atlas, leopard print well, that's, pants and well, everything. That I take that as part of the commentary, you know, like Lou's going like, well, I remember when these guys all used to have powers and cool adventures, and now what they do is they're just Charles Atlases, and they all just flex and go, huh. I mean, they always were, though. Uh-huh. That's the thing, it did, nothing changed, it was just an art style of the time. Well, it's the, yes, it's the art, yeah. And, it, and that definitely changed like the way that they used to look and it turns out it's just magneto mm-hmm. <clears throat> madmino <laughs> who's like a little i don't know what would you say he is a um little, little, little weasel yeah he's not a monkey he's a little dog or something isn't he he's got a long tail that's why i said like weasel like a weasel or, but his name is madmino and that has nothing to do with him being a, a weasel or anything like that it's just a silly no, name just a silly name and he's just wearing a large giant rubber suit and he pops out and <laughs> And Sonic figured out that he was a disguise because his foam rubber monkey suit had the sales tag still clipped to the ear. What's... Oh, yeah, because the Wolverine one. Is there a... What's the joke on him being the one that's got the biggest ears? Is that something? Uh, monkeys can have quite large no, ears. No, I know, but I know, but the rest of them have got... Well, Wolverine's mask mm-hmm. comes out into big, like... Oh, that's ears. it. Yeah, that's, so, so it's the ears. He's just, wearing, he's just wearing a mask that's shaped like monkey ears. That's what it is, yeah. <laughs> See, I yeah. Know, that's another joke I like then. Yeah, it goes, how did you know Professor Zed wasn't real? And so it goes, well, you could say the signs were there. And our angle on the mask shows that it says, foam rubber monkey suit size 18. <laughs> I just like this. I think the only thing wrong with this, if and I don't think this is wrong, but what's wrong with it is that it occupies... The top position in the comic, the Sonic position, the seven-page I think strip. that, you know, yeah, maybe if this was a five-page Sonic's world thing in the back, but after four issues of this shit, I'm, I'm so dumb. <laughs> well, and, and to be fair, 
this is the last one. So although oh. we have been talking about this this superhero parody stuff for mm-hmm. as long as we have, it is only this run of four issues. Mm-hmm. This maximum time marking stuff. <laughs> Next issue, Doomsday. So yes, thank God. Something screw <laughs> some proper stories coming in now as we head towards issue one hundred. I truly loathed the experience of reading this. I I genuinely... I promise. Uh I promise I came to this with the assumption as an adult Uh that I I would... Not having reread it since, Mm -hmm. but remembering the content of the story as best I could from when I was a kid, and even from that, realizing that it was saying something... Right, yeah. I really genuinely came to it with an open mind, even after Insect Guy and the Ingestible Bulk. No, of course. Oh, You're a grown-up. You no, can review man. things sensibly. I wonder why this has happened. Why did I have such a jolly time just chortling all the way through this? Because you you are obviously... I think I mm. think you are deriving pleasure from seeing from the X-Men the, made Being mocked. Of. Yeah, probably, yes. yeah. yeah. And that does nothing for me. Maybe <laughs> 20 years ago, if I hadn't been into it, that would have been a different story. Yeah. But 26 years removed, uh-huh. there's nothing here. <laughs> Like, like, oh, he made fun of the X Men. Oh, it's like a Mad Magazine parody of X Men. It is. It is like that. That's and the thing. Okay, That's what I mean. It's weird why that it's is that the, the, the lead, lead story, story in, in Sonic. Sonic comic. That is unusual. Well, and it made me think because we know we're going to enter this time at some point in the next year where this mm. is the sort of thing that STC becomes about. I'm worried, Dave. Yeah. It's one thing when it's a little thing like this when it's the exception. It's mm. out of the ordinary right now, and. Whatever all I w- else I will say about it, at least it is a thing. Yeah. There's a high concept behind it, much as it may bounce off me. Mm-hmm. But I don't, you know, when it becomes the norm, not everything can be that, you know? Yeah. Nice art from Andy Pritchett, though. Oh, lovely. And not this time mistakable for Bob Corona. It's, it's That's a... the weird thing, right? Yeah. Because we, we re-edited the episode after <laughs> recording it because we genuinely yeah. assumed that the Father Christmas issue from a couple of issues ago, which is credited to Andy Pritchett, was drawn by Roberto Corona. Mm. Only because we, at the time, did not realize that Andy Pritchett would go on to... We just thought... We only knew Andy Pritchett as a colorist. Yeah. So we assumed it was just a miscredit until we discovered that he would go on to draw many of his own strips in the future. So we assume that that was not an incorrect credit. But I gotta tell you, man, I'm still not 100% sure it's not. Yeah, yeah. Because, because this... this looks absolutely nothing yeah. like the work that was on display in, in that issue. Now, that issue was coloured by Steve White, don't say? Whereas Pritchett has done the line art and the colours this issue. Yeah. But it's absolutely unrecognisable as the work of the same man. So, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know, mate. It really looked like Corona artwork. Yeah. But, he, but and this looks nothing like it. This is very nice art, too. So, it's a, he's done a great-looking Sonic that's very clearly Elson-referenced. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then these very cuddly-looking Mobians. Yep. And as as far as the actual, you know, parody goes, he's just spot-on, artistically. He's done a great job of doing parody, muscly superheroes. And also, they're monkeys. So, the gag the strip ends on is that, you know, Sonic says, I guess you can forget about your dumb hero hour from now on. And Cycle Clips says, yes, from now on, <laughs> we will have an agony hour every day, standing around feeling sorry for ourselves because our mentor turned out to be a baddie and i mean you know dramatic angst is a staple of the superhero genre so yes 
And Sonic legs it. He's like, oh, I'm so done. And he's like, farewell! We trust the Zed monkeys have been an inspiration to you! And he's like, yeah, I'm inspired to find a way out of this crazy dimension as soon as I can. Please God, Sonic, do. Please God, Sonic, do. <laughs> I feel it's very fitting that this turns out to be the last one of these. Yeah, how interesting that it's taken, uh, what did you say, four separate parodies mm-hmm. for them to, like, end up saying something about superheroes that- like we speculated there might be something buried under what kitching and nelson were doing back during heroes and villains that wound up not coming to the surface but it's yeah it's truly only this one that's like 90s comics man <laughs> they were much cooler when i was eight yeah. Not, not unlike STC, which actually no, no, was, no. you know, cooler no, no, no. Than, than in the 90s no, when we yeah. were we, we, uh, don't relate, <laughs> we don't relate to that sentiment at all, you understand. <laughs> we were 11. <laughs> totally different. Totally different. Totally different. Oh, God, Review Zone, eh? It don't get no better. It's just football, Dave. Uh, Worldwide Soccer 97, reviewed by Chris Jones, who is in, in what must surely be the dying days of the Review Zone now, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. as pages run out and everything. I'll have to yeah. keep an eye out for that. I don't know when it goes away exactly. But he is spiraling over the event horizon <laughs> of the Takushi Gibbon singularity, isn't he? <laughs> well, he starts off with a fast show reference and i was honestly thinking oh interesting to see the fast show come in looked it up no fast show ends this year oh <laughs> that's where we are <laughs> i suppose we've already had suits use haven't we so plenty of them yes and what he's decided to do is parody the manner of speech of hilarious fast show character ron manager a football <laughs> commentator type who spoke only in very broken fragmented senses as it became less sensible as they continued Mm-hmm. Uh, thusly. Oh, Ryan Giggs, you know. Giggsy, isn't it? Mm? Giggsy Wigsy. Mm? Oh, Ryan-y Giggsy Wigsy, isn't it? You know, marvellous. Precocious talent, isn't he? Mm? Oh, got it all, you know. Speed, acceleration, sweet left foot, all the tricks, you know, the dummy, the drop of the shoulder, oh, the shimmy, the nutmeg, jiggery-pokery, uh, hocus-pocus, <laughs> abracadabra, I want to reach out and grab you. Steve Miliband, spin doctors, all oh, very similar. Thank you, Ron. The Fast Show. The show where whenever I talk about how unfunny I find it, I get a lot of abuse. <laughs> Small boys in the park, jumpers for goalposts, rush goalie, mmm, marvellous. So might say, Ron Manager. The comic character from <laughs> Beeb 2's The Fast Show, if he saw Worldwide Soccer 97. He had nothing, did he? <laughs> wow! Absolutely nothing to do with nothing! It's another one of these. There's your review. I mean, to be fair, <laughs> it's not just another one of these. This is on the Saturn, isn't it? This oh, is okay. in three dimensions. Oh, okay. The new soccer sim on the Saturn. <laughs> soccer sim, sim. Mm-hmm. I've heard that one in a while. Do you remember when they called games of real life things? <laughs> Sims. Do you imagine if you went around calling Call of Duty like a shooting, shooting sim. sim? You can't do it now. Like, because a, like a war crime sim. You can't do it now because sim became a trademark of the sims. Uh, I guess. that. So now everyone will think you were talking about that. And so that, that's just a word you can't use anymore. Well, you can't say anything these days, can you? <laughs> <laughs> well, now that we've got our sovereignty back, we should take Sim back. <laughs> this new soccer Sim on the Saturn easily eclipses all previous attempts to capture the game of 22 men on a leather ball on a games machine. Oh. 
And then he starts listing stuff. Mm -hmm. All the international teams, various tactics, different tournaments, the basic controls allow you to pass, chip, shoot, improve your (laughs) skills and perform one-twos, shimmies, bicycle (laughs) kicks, their Premier League standard controls with players able to trap the ball, turn, dribble, (laughs) stumble, jog backwards, shoot me. I didn't even notice that this was a big list of stuff like this. I think because I'd already started to dribble. (laughs) I think I lost all concentration here. Fully tuned out. Although I did notice one thing, which is that when he says featuring all the international teams, and you go, well, yeah, standard. And then you get to the Graves, no real players' names in the teams. Okay. It just means the team name is real. Manchester United, but it's populated by Jules and Jops and Bimbley and nobody. Yeah. Do you know what I'll give it, though? What will we give it? Is that the two screenshots on the page are in octagons, <laughs> like one might see on, on a, a football. football. Well done. Is it octagons go on a football? I don't know, but whatever. I don't know either. <laughs> it's what's occurring to me. I wonder what shape you really get. Well, it's evoking what you might exactly. get on a football. Anyway, I got it. All right? It's for people like me. And it doesn't say demo, and it doesn't say game over, and it's not the word Aladdin. (laughs) It's actual (laughs) screenshots that you might be interested to see what the game looks like. And what the game looks like is football. A tremendous effort all round. The lads have given 110%, Uh, and I can't ask for more than that. This bit's all right. set their stall out early on and played a blind. Yeah, that's fine. Like a manager doing a little halftime commentary. Yeah, that's good. I don't mind that. It's not bad, no. The array of section to go with the graves you mentioned there is goal. It's the Brazil of mm. football games. I wonder what the context for Brazil is back then. Oh, those Brazilians, you know, circa 1970. <laughs> broke the mould, didn't they? You know, theory out the window. Free expression of football. Uncategorizable. Is that a word? It is now. <laughs> you know, far cry from the English game, isn't it? Small boys in the park, jumpers for goalposts. Rush goalie, two at the back, three in the middle, four at the front. One's gone home for his tea, beans on toast, possibly. Don't quote me on that. It was a very good sports football team. Right. Well done them, then. Even I knew that. They were known Mm. to be good. They may Mm -hmm. still be known to be good. I no longer know. (laughs) Some football correspondent you turned out to be. (laughs) Hey, you're the one watched a football that one That's true. That's true, I did, yeah. (laughs) No. Roots, part three, written by Nigel Kitching, art by Nigel Dobbin, letters by Elita Fell. The fight continues within the dark forests spawned by the ancient trees, and the trees themselves, disgusted with the continued display of violence, vow to erase all flesh creatures from Mobius. Knuckles appeals to them, telling them that not all flesh beings are alike, and asking them to consider what the Elder Tree would have done were he still with them. The trees relent, agreeing that violence is not the way. The heroes and villains are allowed to leave, and the forest is left to stand in the heart of the Metropolis Zone, a testament to the power of nature pushing back against Robotnik's evil empire. That's uh, alright, isn't it? Yeah, it's alright. Don't know that it quite lives up to the promise of the previous two parts? 
I didn't feel much strongly about this. So a bit Captain Planety here at the end. Yeah, I I didn't, and and obviously it was going to be that because that's the theme. But like, it's an ecological story, sure, yeah. But I didn't have much of a response to this. I didn't make any yeah. notes. I don't really know what to say about it. No, they they fight a bit more. Yeah, the cool gorilla guys are still there. Omen, the evil mystic, actually binds. Ebony up in some magic tendrils and said he her magic was always inferior to his and I'm a little surprised by that because he seemed like a total jobber last episode mm, yeah and then the trees still looking great drawn by Dobbin are all angry and then Knuckles does the fern gully bit don't judge our whole species by the actions of one some Mobians are actually trying to help the environment the very reason everything is happening right now is because protesters gathered together there to do that very thing Mm-hmm. What would the elder tree have done? W-W-T-E-D-H-D. Mm-hmm. And the trees go, yeah, right, fair enough. And that's it. <laughs> yeah. Specifically, they grab the baddies in their branches. And I actually thought the baddies were being dragged away to oblivion because the tree had not yet said, do not worry, we will not cause any harm. We see now that violence is not the answer. But I thought they were being, you know dragged away into the bowels of the earth or something. But all that happens is they get booted out the other end of the forest. And then Knuckles, Pajamas and Ebony are allowed to walk out of the forest. And that's it. It just ends. A nice little epilogue. It is nice. Yes. Uh, Knuckles laments that they're too late to save the Elder Tree. And the tree says, do not grieve for his time will come again. And then we get a a little four-panel epilogue on the last page. Two days later, Dr. Robotnik has fenced off the entire forest with firm orders that nobody may enter. And I like that a lot in isolation. Like, he couldn't stop it. Mm, Yeah. The power of nature there was too much for him. So rather than, you know, raise it down or anything, he just had to fence it off. Just this this kernel of embarrassment and defeat thriving in the heart of his empire. That I like. I like that. That's good. That is nice. I I think it would be improved for me if in this issue, rather than the previous issue, we saw how much these trees can ravage the buildings of, like, Metropolis City. Like, Oh, I forgot about that. That's true. There's really no clear communication just how big this is. No, and so when it happened, when it, when it, I actually kind of took it at face value with these panels, the, you know, at first when I read it, thinking like, what, Robotnik has fenced off an area of natural beauty on Mobius? What? And no, it, no, no, it's not. It's because he can't defeat this, and it's mm. they've proven that they can easily pull apart his buildings if they want to. Um, but I would have liked to see that in these seven pages, even if it's just part of the background art. I, I couldn't see any evidence of that, even though it has happened. Mm-hmm. It's all within the forest, except the panel of them being thrown out at the end. There's no yeah. the panel of Knuckles, Ebony, and Pajamas leaving. There's no background at all. It's no. they're outside the gutter. They're in the white space outside the panels. And the forest that it is is own. I mean, it wasn't even a forest before. It was a few remaining trees. It's it's a forest now. It was a park. Yeah, but it's a forest now because they broke through those buildings. Oh, but I tell a lie. Look, there's one panel on the Never Return getting booted out of the. Yeah, forest. that's the panel I was talking about. Yeah. Yeah, you can basically see some buildings in the background of that, but but hardly, and it doesn't look as. It, in fact, it already looks fenced off and separate. I think it'd be nice to see trees coming out of those buildings in the background, perhaps. But one spot within this forest, it says, is more mm. sacred than any other, and we push in on the tree stump that remains of the elder tree as a shaft of light shines through the canopy and focuses on it. The place where the elder tree once stood. The place, we see little sprigs sprouting up and new green life upon them, where the elder tree will someday grow once more. It's a very Master Sword reveal looking 
moment, isn't it? It's uh, <laughs> the, the, the beam of light on the tree stump. That's lovely. Yeah, it's a bit of the old pyro nature in it, you yeah. know. Uh, if man's evil can be stopped, the world will recover. Mm-hmm. That kind of thing. And then next issue, Knuckles begins a new adventure. Okay. Good. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah, perfectly fine. But yeah, I think like what you said, didn't have much of a response to it mm. by that little bit there at the end yeah. is, is about right. Yeah. Well, I want to know more about the cyborg gorilla. <laughs> the cyborg gorilla. And, and I know we will get more about ebony and pajamas. Ebony and pajamas. Yes. That's but, odd, isn't yes. it? Yes. Like taken purely in isolation, not having any idea yep. that those characters are going to become recurring. Oh, I never really thought about it like that. Because we know Ooh, that they are recurring. Did, did we head from the cap attack there? Uh, I, I never, I never thought about that. What the heck, actually? <laughs> what is the precognitive sheepdog and the magic wielding cat? Full on sorcerer. Yeah, have to do with the environmental versus technological themes of the three part story. Yeah, and now they're, you know, if, you know, as far as we know at this point, that's them gone. That's their story. We know it's not. But but there's nothing about this to me anyway. As a reader now, this story doesn't feel like a deliberate introduction of new characters. It feels as if they are no. going to happen to come back because someone goes, "Oh, I tell you what, we'll bring them back." I would say, no, no. I I would say that these were very deliberately conceived characters, and this story just happened to be the venue in which they were introduced. Oh yeah, you know, it's not this. It's not the same as having an, a story to introduce new characters yeah. it's like it's the story in which these characters happen to have been introduced a story about these characters knuckles running into these guys in a separate magic adventure mm. that would have been oh i don't want to say it would necessarily have been preferable to this environmental story yeah but it it would have been a better showcase for ebony and pajamas than this where they kind of feel not at odds with but as a very separate mm. element that's not really related that's right, yeah. to everything going on around them yeah. yes it's just a little it, it's it's just slightly odd that this is their introduction story how strange Hello. dave hello this one's pretty good <laughs> what's the difference for you I don't know. Uh, this issue's pin-up. This issue's bad Nick pin-up. I didn't even look at it. I'll give it a proper look now because I just look, yeah. I went straight We've past it. We've skimmed past it. It's an Aquas bad Nick, the little mm -hmm. fire-breathing seahorses from the oil ocean zone. Yeah. And it's exactly the same sort of thing. It's it's yeah. one um, drawing by Ferran Rodriguez that has been copy-pasted three times. Yeah. But it's a, a portrait format, so you've got to turn mm. it sideways, the top to bottom, or instead of a landscape format. I don't know. There's just something about the composition of the three Badniks figures, the curving shape of the seahorse, yeah. and the way they've been sort of interlocked and composited yes. uh, uh, one in front of the other. That it just creates quite a dramatic image. As with last time, it's I think it was last time, it's three getting further away, mm. but they're alternating which way they're facing. So there's a certain, like, not tessellation, but there's a certain composition to them that makes that interesting. And the picture scales very well. It does. The one that's close up doesn't look too close up. It's not spattered in grime and, uh, <laughs> and, and flecks of paint the way the motobugs were. Yes. No, that, that's quite a nice yes, uh, right, pinup, though. just like as a stylish piece of art. Mm. This one's quite nice. <laughs> Holy <laughs> shit. There you go. Hopefully they'll make that the last one and they can go out on a high. And unfortunately, you know, one of the pages of the back is a page of the Knuckles comic. I mean... Nice poster or not, we were never going to put it up. It's fine. <laughs> no, but it's still nice whenever they get ads on the back of the... Yeah. Because that means thought happened. <laughs>
Now, on the back of the other side, however... Just a Just a so, this is a full-page advert of a sort that uh, we've had a few times in STC, yes. where it is a fully commissioned comic. Actually, yes. not not like that Disney one a couple of issues ago. Actually, oh, no. <laughs> fully drawn properly by a comic artist who's put this together about. Now, do you remember a while ago, Robertson's Jam Quite introduced a while ago? Yes, I'm pretty sure it was in 1995. <laughs> no, that, no, no, that can't be right. Well, it could be. Gosh, I don't know, but it, well, but it could be 96. Some previous episode slash issue of this podcast slash comic. Uh, Robertson's introduced two new mascots: the Shredhead and the Shredless Wonder, each to represent the two kinds of of marmalade that they produce, with or without bits. Without, please. <laughs> what we have here is a comic about those two guys, but also two more guys because now they've added a lemon one of each. Um, be- Lemon marmalade. Well, this is the thing. It's clear here that they've they've overreached, haven't they? Robertson's Lemon. have decided to produce marmalade. Lemon marmalade. Now, I now what we don't know from this advert is whether they do lemon marmalade with shreds in. But we know they do it without. Yes, because the only actual spreads promoted are the shredless versions of the spreads, and yes. the fact that there are two lemon guys yes. would imply there must it? be a. One with shreds and one without. But the thing that is bizarre to me mm. is that they've... So there's Robertson's Golden Shred and Golden Shredless, and they're orange. They're a kind of goldy colour. Yeah. And what they've chosen to name the very mm. yellow yes. lemon marmalade is Silver Shredless. Mm. You know, to complement golden, Yeah. but but it's yellow. Yes. And so it also just sort of implies it's second best. It does, yeah. Well, I mean, it is, isn't it? It's lemon marmalade. That's lemon obviously marmalade. Se- why have they made garlic this? bread? <laughs> it's kind of that's the vibe work. The pure incredulity of it, and there's somebody out there listening to this now, and it's like, what? What? Yeah, I love lemon marmalade. It, lemon Me? marmalade. We're going to find out. Morning. We're going to find out that lemon marmalade was introduced first. That orange marmalade is the interloper. Before sugar happened. Yeah, and all you had, all you got to enjoy was sucking on a lemon, and you <laughs> liked it. <laughs> Because, you know, these young people today, they don't know they're born. Right, since we're Sugar, on, is it? You know. Since we're on a whinge, what on earth <laughs> have Robertson's done here by putting the Shredhead on their Shredless jars anyway and having him say in this advert that marmalade with no bits is nice? Chris, this is easily the second worst mascot decision Robertson's have ever made, as far as I'm concerned. Oh, <laughs> yes. Yes, it's bizarre that they've chosen to only advertise the shredless version. Yeah. So we get the shred guy, where, where the whole point of it was being one or t'other, yep. a competition yep. between the two. And now they're like, they've made friends, and it's like, oh, it's great that there's no bits in these. Yeah, so, which, I mean, it makes me think that there is no shredded lemon version, but... There's a sh- there's a shred there's a shred there's a right there's two lemon guys one of them's got a big long body like the shredless wonder and one of them is just a lemon like yeah. the, the the ball of orange well, that is the shredhead simply Google Robinson Silver Shred let's do it Robertsons Robinsons mm-hmm. Robertsons Robertson Silver Shred it exists yeah it exists yeah, yeah and it still exists and it's still called silver that's weird it's got Paddington on it. That's weirder. Do you think Paddington wouldn't fuck around with no non-orange marmalade? No. Oh, he would have opinions. (laughs) Never, said Paddington hotly. And he gave the man one of his special hard stares. So anyway, this stupid comic strip 
is the four of them are on a roller coaster. Yeah. And they just say, they just say jelly instead of words. It's like Smurf talk. Yeah. Get ready for the great jelly knuckle ride instead of a white knuckle ride. Yeah. Here, and they, and they go, way they go, it's fan jelly-tastic. Oh, diddly-deary me, it's fan jelly-tastic. <laughs> and, uh, and then it seems like the, the roller coaster goes out of control. Yeah, or it's just meant to be going fast and that's good, I don't know. They say, shouldn't we have stopped by now? We should, but we haven't. We've got no brakes before they go over mm. a mighty big drop. But mm. I'm like, that's what you're supposed to do on a roller coaster. That's how they work. Over a big, mighty big drop. You're not supposed to have brakes on a roller coaster. That's what they're for. Yeah. And then he goes, we're going to stop for a commercial break. And it's break it, like a brakes break. There's a little touch of the pirate STCs about this strip. Yes, it is manic. We're going to stop for a commercial break, B-R-A-K-E. And now for the commercial break, B-R-E-A-K. Like you didn't get that that's what it was already. Yeah. And then that's the panel where they go, here's the gold and silver shredless. In tests, 8 out of 10 loaf owners said their toast preferred it. And now back to the dodgy breaks. And then the story resumes with um they're just meowing along and a bird flies by in the background and it says, They're breaking the jelly barrier, jelly, because it's jelly because they're jelly. Jelly I don't mind and that. Then, they're breaking the jelly barrier. That's it just silly enough that I like it. Jelly knuckle <laughs> ride, it's nothing. It's nothing. Then the shredless wonder, the orange fellow, the long orange fellow, <laughs> sticks his foot in front of the his big gooey, chewy, sticky foot mm. in front of the roller coaster and slows it down with his own feet. Even though it's clear that doing that causes his feet to like spray gloop everywhere. Glooper, glooper, stop. Oh, I see. That's stop. not even anything. No. Yeah. No, what the what happens in this comic is that they stop a roller coaster using marmalade. <laughs> That was a great feat, says one of them. You're feet. right. I truly have great feet. Ah, like a bird's f***ing feet. I have here the Robertson's page for Silver Shred Marmalade, and there's two things on it I object to. One, Robertson's Silver Shred is the lemon variety using the Robertson's recipe expertise since 1874. Now, we don't know there whether... You know, then. Yes, but we don't know, and I can't find anywhere else whether the lemon variety has been available since 1874 or they've just had recipe expertise since then. And then it says, the, 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 the very next thing it says, the clear tangy and lemon marmalade is delicious on hot buttery toast in the morning and perfect for Paddington's marmalade sandwiches. They have a goal here to suggest that the Paddington might be making goal. lemon marmalade sandwiches all along. Nonsense. Maybe as a treat. You know, maybe it's for birthdays and special occasions he gets the lemon stuff out. I need to know what marmalade means. Ah. Why is this not just jam? Well, I've always wondered, yeah. Why, why is orange jam called marmalade? Well, with that, I was able to accept it because I was just like, oh, I, that probably... It's just what... Yeah, but now that you know there's a lemon variety, yeah. what makes it... Is it yeah. the fact it's a citrus fruit? Uh, to me, the word marmalade, the definition of that is... Orange jam. Yeah. Marmalade. But it isn't. Well, what have you found? Uh, yes, a preserve made from citrus fruit, especially bitter orange. Especially oh, bitter orange. Citrus specifically. There you go. I was right. Etymology. Marmalade. What's happening there? <laughs> the Portuguese word marmelos, a quince paste similar in texture to an orange spread, popular long before the commercialization of marmalade in the late 18th century. Okay, so it wasn't even originally orange. It was quince. But that's where they took the name from. Well, yeah. Well, don't don't say this podcast never taught you anything. <laughs> I'm in such a f 
mood. You're going to have to put so many beeps on the top of this episode. And the other way around. <laughs> I've been filled with delight by this one because it's just a lot of silliness. I have no tolerance for the dumbness going on in this issue. Right. I'm really... <laughs> Speaking of dumbness, right? Mm. What they're doing here, I think, altogether, this is my theory about this. This is my pet theory about this. They're trying to clear through the stock of Shredhead and Shredless Wonder Toys. Oh, that's 100% what it is. I, Evidently I... not enough kids wanted and sent off for them, right? P.S. Send for a free Shredhead and Shredless Wonder Toy. You literally yeah. only have to write in free post. Yeah. You don't even have to pay for the stamp. <laughs> Just write in and they'll send you one. Yep. The leftover stock from that promotion, <laughs> that when we talked about it previously, when the advert was seen in the comic, of... Uh, rubber figurines, a super yeah. bouncy ball of the shred, uh, the shred head. Shred head. Yeah. And the uh, rubber figure of the shredless wonder. Yeah. Well, did, I seem to remember saying, "Oh, it takes quite a lot of labels. You need to get through like nine jars of marmalade or something." Oh, so. yes. Six or nine jars. And we did comment that the thing was open for a long time. <laughs> Maybe it was open yeah. to the end of '96. Yeah. And here we are now at yeah, the dawn of '97, and nobody's bought them. That's nobody's probably claimed it. enough of them. I'm surprised because these were like on telly. The, this advert was, you know, I, I, I nearly said a popular advert, but I've no way of measuring that. But it was on enough and it was well made. We knew what it was. We knew yeah. what it was. I've just realised, gosh, I thought it was either or, mm. but no. Yeah. Write in and they'll send you both. Yeah, you get both. We will send you a shred head, yeah. which is a very oddly described as a super bouncy ball two inches in diameter with the appearance of marmalade. <laughs> <laughs> and a shredless wonder, five inches high with arms and legs you can twist into lots of odd positions. Both of them! Oh, but not even with the appearance of marmalade. Not even, well it doesn't, it doesn't really have the appearance of marmalade, does it? Well, and therefore, we have confirmed that shredded marmalade is what marmalade is. Well, it, no, it, it's tech, mm. <laughs> <laughs> Shredless marmalade doesn't have the appearance of marmalade, and that's what makes it so appealing. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what you've just read off there from that website as well, talking about putting it on a hot buttered toast? Yes. You know, I've never been a man to put jam or marmalade on toast that's already been buttered. Oh, what are you, know, you on me, about? Come on. No, I just put the jam right on the toast. Oh, then. what? Like it just sits there, like a like a like a tectonic plate with a bit of jam on it. The only way you can definitely succeed there is you've got to get the butter right on yeah. so that it melts. Oh, it's got right to... out of the toaster. Oh yeah, because if otherwise you're just smearing jam on top of clumps of unmelted butter. Absolutely, yeah. Like, so I guess I'm not so much talking about toast as I am talking about let's say a jam sandwich. <laughs> There's a wider issue here. I'm not only talking about toast. But imagine. Oh, so you're wait a minute. So you're not putting butter in a jam sandwich oh i wouldn't eat a jam sandwich <laughs> well well you haven't tried it with butter <laughs> that's the secret <laughs> just just clumps of unmelted butter and then with a load of, uh -huh. of jam smeared no it's I, and i realize <laughs> I, I am the aberration there yeah. I, know, I understand that that is how people eat sounds like you're just not very good at spreading butter <laughs> i mean it's connected to the old cream or jam first on the scone debate oh, isn't it? is it yeah I suppose it is. I don't know if it is. It feels like it is. Well, it's, if... Let's talk about that for five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> when summer rolls around, let's. I feel like it should be jam first. <laughs> on a scone or on a sandwich? On a scone. Yes, I agree with that, but not because of taste, but because of practicality. Yeah. It's harder to put jam on top of... a The cream needs to be thick. 
And you can't just yes. balance some jam on that. So instead... A blob. No, you got to spread the jam. You spread the jam like it was butter. But logically, the cream is, the, you know, the dairy component, mm. the stand-in for the butter. Oh, I see, and yeah. It's understandable why you would want to put there the cream on first. Because you, 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 you do put mm. butter on first and then add jam on top of that. But no, as you say, mm. you want to spread the jam and then dollop... Because, ton of cream yes, you there. want the cream to have a dollopy essence, don't you? You want it you thick. Want to pile the cream on. That's right. Yeah. I don't want to eat a dollop of jam. I don't. No. I don't care to consume jam that way. No, no. Well, apparently you're very limited in the ways you are prepared to consume jam. I don't eat a lot of jam. No, really, no. <laughs> I couldn't tell you the last time I ate jam. A nice hot buttery piece of toast is fine in and of itself. Anything else is an indulgence. These young people today—they no. don't know. Only the. I think it must have been the night before last. I stood before a slice of hot buttered toast and I said, shall I just eat this without any jam? And then I went, no, that would be ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> and I put some jam on there. Now, you know, I, normal people do. That's me. I'm the aberration there. Normal people just eat buttered toast. That's fine. Oh, sure. But jam is perfectly normal as well. That's also normal. Yeah, it's not like I'm being really weird by also putting jam. <laughs> also, yeah, you weirdo with your jam on your toast, is it? But we are in complete accordance. You've got to be standing over the toaster, knife in hand, butter open, when that thing pops out. Oh, God, yeah. Because that the, the butter's got to go through the toast. It has to sink. You know, it's like whenever you get, like, toast in a restaurant, like or, or somewhere you're getting your breakfast and the toast, and it arrives in one of those little cut-into-triangles, mm. in one of those little racks, and they're cold already, and the butter won't melt on what it. What well is even that be it, for? I was, the last time I ate toast out of a rack, knowingly, it was when I was, I think, three years old. And I was very excited about it. And it was the first time I'd ever had either toast in a rack. Oh, but the presentation. Yep. Or because we were in a hotel, you see, for, like, for a grandparent's mm. something anniversary. And it was the first time I'd had strawberry jam as opposed to raspberry jam. So it was very memorable overall. You remember this? It was a key memory. Too. It was too. Well, I may have been four, I suppose. It's a, it's I, a we, core memory out? you formed. There's some inside out shit. Well, I'll, I'll yeah, well, yes, it was. I mean, I can ask my parents what year that was because we can track it down based on the anniversary. But never again, because yes, to if it's in a rack, then it's too late. It's been out. They've cut it. They've yes. presented it. And they've had to bring it to you. No, I would barely trust toast that you get from uh, that you don't make yourself anyway. Like, oh yeah. You know what I mean? Like you, you got to put it through one of those, you know, like a hotel breakfast buffet type situation. Mm. You put it through one of those rollers that mm, takes mm. it and pulls it back out, and then it's not really toasted enough. But if you put it in a second time, it's going to burn. So you have to make do. He's talking specifically about the one at the TF Nation Hotel that we both I'm used. I'm not. I was just at somewhere else where I had the same okay. problem. <laughs> but we have both used that one, and it's quite fun, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, you got to get that butter right. And, and, and God help you if that butter is like a ho you know, a, like you get in a restaurant oh, where God. it's like a frozen little pat. Oh no! Because obviously they have to keep them cold. But come on, the heat of the toast's not going to melt that. There's two kinds of butter you can get at a hotel. One is the little, the little wrapped up pat mm -hmm. that's too hard to use, and so you rip your bread up. Or the other sort is the sort that's just a liquid and as you open it it goes all over your hands and it's everywhere and it smears everything it's when you get a little you want to get non-dairy spread or something yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but we think of flora where it's just yeah, always yeah. soft and it just scoops right that's out. it that's the stuff but you've got to melt it through crumpets are harder because if I'm having a crumpet I'm having some you honey you got to know what a crumpet is you got to know what a crumpet is to understand cricket to, to understand, understand cricket. Sonic the comic <laughs>
<laughs> if I'm having a crumpet, I've got to get the butter on there, melt, and I've got to be fast enough that I can also get some honey on there and get that to melt through. You've got to be very this fast with the crumpet. the oldest <laughs> discussion that has ever occurred on this podcast. <laughs> toast buttering habits. <laughs> Tips and tricks to tart your toast. I mean, there's not much else content in this issue of STC, is there? Shall we move on to Tales? Shall we, yes. <laughs> Tales. Virtual Reality. Written by Lou Stringer. Art by Roberto Corona. Oh, Corona. Colours by Steve White and letters by Gordon Robson. When Tales is lured back to the Casino Night Zone by a message from his alleged fan club, he comes under attack from the Zone's citizens, who are wearing virtual reality visors that make them see him as a badnik and think they're only playing a game. It's a revenge scheme by casino boss Max Gamble, but Tails is soon able to turn the tables when he drags Max into the game and all the players target him instead. I wasn't expecting much from this one, mm. because that's sort of where the bar is with tail strips. Mm -hmm. But it was alright, actually. And I think it was saved for me by it being a Max Gamble revenge story. Mm, yeah. I think the continuity did enough of the heavy lifting to make it feel at all worthwhile. If this had been the same situation as the slimy strip where it was just some bloke we'd never heard of before, yeah. it would have been, eh, whatever. But, yeah, but it's it's Max Gamble back to take his revenge on Tails for showing him up back in STC's number 80 and 81, Megadroid. <laughs> so, yeah, you know, it's all right. Yes, I quite enjoyed this. It's, um, you know, the second of the issue... Lou Stringer doing gags, like, how did you find me? Your address is in the phone book. <laughs> That's a good giggle, sure. Good giggle. It's, uh, but I absolutely have absolutely no problem with a gag strip. Mm. But I don't want the comic to be cover-to-cover -cover gag strips. And this basically is this issue. With the exception of the not-very-past-remarkable Knuckles story, this issue is cover-to-cover -cover gag strips. Yeah. Well, anyway... I did like this. No, it's fine. That's not a knock on this particular set of five pages. It's perfectly fine. As I said, I think the extra flavor of Max Gamble out for revenge against Tails is good. And, you know, hey, it's the 90s, so virtual reality. Yes. That was the hot yeah. thing. When I see the title is Virtual Reality, like a fox's fur. Mm. Do you remember when Nightmare ended? Uh, well, generally, yeah. On ITV. And then the next thing they showed after that was Nightmare, but it was CGI and science fiction. Yeah. And it was called Virtually Impossible. Mm. And instead of Treyguard, you had a CGI fish. Calling all game heads, console cowboys, joystick jockeys, and keyboard kings. We need you if we're going to stop the bad guys from taking over the fun factory. So get down here and get logged on. Your mission's not just tough, it's Virtually Impossible. Oh, God, no. What? Oh, what? I made the mistake of looking at Google image searches and I saw what it looked like. What, the fish? That's not what I remembered it looking like. I remembered it looking much better than that. The fish, let me oh, see. Oh, no, see. 1997 CGI. What do I type? CITV virtually impossible. Oh, sh- Oh, that's horrible. Look at the heinousness of it. Oh, but anyway- um, oh my god! At the end of every episode, oh, the sign-off would be your you mission. Can see right was... up his nose, and he's got the pronounced nostrils. Ooh. Your mission wasn't just tough; it was virtually impossible. So when I see the word virtual, that's what I think now. Yes, <laughs> it's just 
it lasted three months from 1995 to 1996 mm. and that's burned in there to that extent so i saw that and in my head i went virtual reality <laughs> was just what happened oh, a little peek God. there into the insides of my brain it's truly heinous isn't it i mean he looks uh, uh, from the look of it it's clear this fish was one of those ones like the cat in cbbc at the time where it was yeah, like yeah. someone live doing the voice while this thing flickers and wobbles around to try in and... my mind he was um whatever dory is from finding dory <laughs> you know one of those big tall blue fish yeah. with the yellow bits that's yeah. what he was in my mind. I've really ruined it now. No, he's Ugh, just a, I'm not going to be able to not unsee just a that. Ugh. Balloon with a human face and flippy oh, fins coming out the side. That's oof. Anyway, anyway, back to back to tales. Back to tales. <laughs> for goodness sake, got got sidelined there. I really like the bit with Max Gamble's catchphrase. Yes, that's good. Uh, tales made me look a fool once. Now he'll pay. <laughs> Life's a gamble when you mess with Max. Ooh, hey, I like the sound of that. Maybe I'll use it as my catchphrase. And then Tails comes up and he says, How'd you find me? Your address is in the phone book, <laughs> which is a great gag. Obviously, he's a public figure. And uh, <laughs> and then he takes a swing at him and he goes, Ah, life's a gamble. <laughs> Where did he go? Tails flies out of the way and heaves him over the edge of the uh, building. Doesn't even get to finish saying his catchphrase. <laughs> he tried. <laughs> yeah, it's good, this. It's a good laugh, and there's nothing for me to say about it. It's just a good little laugh. Yep. The ending joke being that Tails drags him into the sight of all the players with the mm. VR headsets and they just see him as an even bigger badnik. Tails says, Just as I thought, while they're wearing these headsets, they see Max as a badnik too. Why did you think that? Mm. Why? Why did, was, So they see everybody as yeah. everybody not wearing a headset as badniks? So what about everybody else? Max really <laughs> yeah. give every it's single just, living being in the in the That's, that's Max's plan. Yeah, Max's plan is to wipe out all life except for these four people or whatever. <laughs> But then the batteries eventually run down in them and they realise they've been chasing Max up a telephone pole. <laughs> and Tails is about to leave when some guys come running up to him and ask for an autograph. Oh yeah, this is nice. Hey, it wasn't a wasted journey. And they say they actually give him their autograph books to get Sonic's autograph hey. the next time you see him. And, St- and Tails properly turns the camera and goes, story of my life. <laughs> but, you know, those are all right <laughs> moments. I mean, that's been, yeah. the, that's been how all Tails stories have ended from the start. But it's all right to do them at the end of stories where he's genuinely, heroically saved the day under his own power. And nobody appreciates it. Yeah. yeah, like That's that. the gag, rather than, oh, I blundered my way yeah. through something I had no idea was going on about and I didn't really do anything. And it's like, eh, Sonic will believe me. You know, it's just... Yeah. <laughs> Corona drawing another fairly sexy babe there at the end, too. Mm, yeah. This is becoming worryingly commonplace. <laughs> well, perhaps we just have to readjust so that we look forward to it now. <laughs> Here we are coming 15. <laughs> Next issue, due to boomer demand, those mad decappers return. I do like, I said it before whenever um, uh, Corona drew Gamble in the issue with Short Fuse, mm. but I do like uh, much more the way uh, Corona draws Gamble as compared to the way Mike Hadley drew him as that huge... Yeah. Mario movie Goomba in his first appearance. He's yeah. a little lizardman in this, and he uh, he looks much better and much more like he fits in the world. Graphic zone, pixel zone. Yeah, it's a computer art drawing zone. Yes. So obviously, the first thing I did <laughs> was look to see if there was any of Leo Suarez Perringer's work here. The one name we know from all all but one, I believe, of the previous computer <laughs> drawings, and you know he's nowhere to be seen. 
But there is one from a mysterious unknown gentleman who failed to supply an address. Uh, uh, a Leonardo Paringer. <laughs> Please send in address. Pay attention. <laughs> I guess he was uh, feeling fancy in his teen years. Yeah, switched up the name a bit. Yeah, yes, Leonardo. Oh, he's like us. He's getting older now. He's he's scanning the mag for babes, and he has sent in another one, another very nice one uh, in yes. his usual style of uh, Robotnik in his Egomatic with the old swingy ball from the end swingy of the Green ball. Hill Zone flying through the scrap brain zone. Yeah, and it's. Knowing what we know about how tricky it is to draw on MS Paint and similar, all the little details on that Egomatic are just right. Oh, yeah. Down to the exhaust grill line, the arrow with the stripes on it, all of that. I like that we can unironically say, no, friend of the show. <laughs> yeah. As far as Friend of the show and friend of the show's and, mum and... of the show. <laughs> no. Uh, <laughs> not the only mum action coming up in this issue either. <laughs> <laughs> oh, got some mum action to look forward to. Have we got another Corona strip? <laughs> anyway, the other ones uh, in this uh, are um, Mark Hall from Henley's in Bristol has sent in his own mm-hmm. Decap Attack comic strip. Yes, and again, how tricky to draw an entire comic right there on screen. In an, I don't think I've ever done that. Well, you can see why, because it's... Uh, Tough Raiders of the Lost comic, and it's just a one, two, three, four, six panel story of Chuck searching the castle for his lost copy of STC. Yeah, he's had a go here at doing something between uh, an actual decap strip and a Shredless Wonder Shredhead style comic yes. advert. It's uh, it, it's it even ends going read decap attack every fortnight in Sonic the comic. Yeah. Thomas Hargreaves from Woodcote in Oxfordshire has done Sonic the Hedgehog. <laughs> a slightly misplaced exclamation mark there. Sonic the, the exclamation mark Hedgehog. Why has he put that there? Spirals in the background too. He'll be grateful for those mini stampers. And that's not right. That exclamation mark. Sometimes when we make fun of something like that, it's just because the layout allow. You know, it's a don't die. Yeah, don't dead open inside. Yeah, that, yes. Um, but no, this is, no, he's typed Sonic the Hedgehog. That's what he's typed. Next one is Malcolm Destro from Aloha Ooh, Malcolm Destro! <laughs> what a name! <laughs> well, anyway, uh, Malcolm has just drawn, he, uh, he looks like quite a young kid, and he's drawn us a, a Tails from the side, flying along, but like from the side, it almost looks as if he's, you know, sitting, piloting mm. an invisible plane, doesn't it? He's got his feet out in front of him, his hands at ten and two, his tail's out behind him, and he's looking dead ahead, and he's flying along, and in the background there's gold rings and the sun. And the last one, I quite like the last one. This yes. is from Matthew Mohan from Wickham in Newcastle-upon-Tyne, mm-hmm. and it's uh, Sonic and Knuckles. And Sonic is done up like a cool dude. He's yep. got sunglasses, and he's got uh, what I assume to be a, a boombox, a ghetto blaster. Yes, Drawn exclusively with the oval tool, though, so it looks like a big egg. Yes. A big egg. But I remember when they used to be round. Yeah. You know, I had a rounder component yeah, yeah. to them. And he's wearing a little hat that says DJ on it. There's a big musical note. Yes, I think it's meant to be a baseball cap. But I it, think so. It also kind of looks like a you know bu- an old-timey busboy hat or something, doesn't it? <laughs> Very hard to imagine how a Sonic character would wear a baseball cap. Though. Yeah, well, quite. He's looking at Knuckles, and Knuckles is just looking off to the side going, Oh, brother. <laughs> Knuckles has no time for the popular music of the young people. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, I think that fits. He's a curmudgeon. Oh, absolutely. I, wasn't say, I was stating that as, as yeah. incontrovertible fact. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> good, yeah. 
I don't mean I don't mean bus boy. What do I mean? I mean like um elevator operator. That's the one. That's the <laughs> very man. <laughs> yeah. uh, porter, I think is what you meant. Uh, bellhop. Be- I was thinking bellboy, and I don't know if that's a real word. I enjoyed him in Bonely Bulls and Borses. <laughs> um, <laughs> stupid. Um, no, this is this is quite charming because it's yeah. very scribbly and scratchy. Uh, yeah. Clearly drawn freehand with a mouse. Gotta be. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, None of the lines really line up or anything, but it's got a really scrappy charm mm. to it that I, I quite like. There's there's a lot of uh, character coming across in Knuckles' expression, mm, yeah. despite the scrappiness of the line. Yeah, it's good. Of the tools he's got, he's only mastered the oval tool, so he's used that for the Ghetto Blaster and for Knuckles' neck ring and for nothing else. And like, I agree with that. I don't think you need tools to draw this stuff. Other, the other kids try and use the circle tools to make eyes. No, no, no. Yeah, come on, Leo Suarez Perringer. <laughs> with your little ovular egomatic and your wrecking ball and your Dr. Robotnik's eyes, is it? No, no, no. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, oh, we're losing. Enemy of the show, Leo. <laughs> He's not going to like us after this. He was a talented man. <laughs> Sonic's World. Mock the Duck. Written by Lou Stringer, art by Nigel Dobbin, and letters by Annie Parkhouse. The television broadcast of Robotnik's daily address is hacked by pirate game show Mock the Duck, in which citizens compete to do the most unflattering impression of the dictator possible. The enraged Robotnik sends troopers to the source of the signal, but the dim bulb robots can't tell the real Robotnik from the fake ones and are tricked into shooting each other, making Robotnik look a right wally on live TV. Now this one I enjoyed a lot! Yeah. So yeah, this show, Mock the Doc, is hosted by Matthew Corgi, which is a riff on Matthew Kelly, who hosted Stars in Your Eyes, in which people came out and impersonated the popular singers of the day. Good evening and welcome to Stars in Their Eyes. I'm Matthew Kelly and you can all relax. I know what it's like. You get a few unfamiliar programmes thrown at you and it's unsettling, isn't it? It takes a good old favourite like Stars in Their Eyes to make you feel safe and secure. And let's face it, what's Saturday night without Stars in Their Eyes? It's Laurel without Hardy. It's Fish without Chips. It's a shopping trolley without a wonky wheel. So, do not fear, because we are here to make your evening complete. And waiting in the wings are five more star guests. Each one ready to impress you with their singing talents. We're here, what they do is they come out and they impersonate Dr. Robotnik. These civilians all come out in uh, makeshift Dr. Robotnik cosplay and do day impressions of him. Here's tonight's first contestant, Teddy Gormless from the Marble Zone. Bah! I'm ruler of this planet, I am! Do as you're told or I'll sit on you! <laughs> I'm the ruler of this planet, I am. That was that was it for me. I was like, yeah, this is going to be a good one. <laughs> and this is all it is. The, you know, people just keep going on and going, I'm Dr. Robotnik. <laughs> and Matthew Corgi keeps going, woo! Woo! Ric Flair style all the way through. And um, the story begins on a, a family of hedgehogs. Oh my God, they're hedgehogs. A weird old. Oh. Uh, only this, this moment, I just realized they're hedgehogs. Oh, that's weird. Oh, you can't do that. No, no, That's no, no. not right. That's not kosher at all. <laughs> no, they are hedgehogs, though, right? Yeah, and theoretically... I'm right, right? They are hedgehogs. Uh, they've got to be. If, what else could they be? You could theoretically do... Like, right, Sonic was always a hedgehog, and he was brown. So it, it is... But but I, but I sort of think you can't do any of them either. Like, Sonic-looking brown hedgehogs, because that's too I weird. I think that's all right. 
It's all right, right but any, it'd be weird. It's only dawned on me now, anyway. But yeah, that's what they are. So it's a family of yeah. them, anyway. Gosh, it does highlight how STC artists just didn't get what Sonic's world was supposed to look like, doesn't it? <laughs> it's not their fault. There were only like six dudes in it at that point. You know, you look at something like Sonic Forces now, or or anything where you see a whole world populated. But Archie wasn't any good at it either for a very long time. It wasn't until Tracy Yardley came along that anybody could really figure out how to draw other animals in the Sonic style. Anyway, so there's a family of them, and they're watching the TV, and the kid, the daughter, wants to know why they can't watch Zone and Away on the other channel. A reference <laughs> there, folks, to Home hey. and Away, popular Australian soap opera that was also very popular in the United Kingdom, where Sonic the Comic is from. Do you get it? <laughs> the pirate signal cuts in anyway, and Matthew Corga keeps going, Woo! And the daughter asks, Daddy, why does he keep saying woo? And the dad says, <laughs> All game show hosts do it. Maybe his trousers are too tight. <laughs> Robotnik becomes aware that the signal's being hacked. Grimer has to be the one to tell him, you know. Just as Bill Walrus is out doing his impression, and his impression is put a traffic cone on his head to emulate Dr. Robotnik's big tall cone head. I'm ginger, I'm proud, I'm fat, bold, and loud. <laughs> I'm Dr. Don't Call Me Conehead Robotnik, and I can be anybody except for that little blue hedgehog. Woo! Ha ha! Priceless! <laughs> and then, so Robotnik is watching on screen. Meanwhile, oh, yeah, as, of course we get to see Robotnik see this and get all grumpy about it. As the troopers kick the doors in, he's also watching on, and what a great panel that is. Yeah. That big page-high panel of Robotnik glowering over his yeah. television. Now everyone will see what happens to people who mock the dark. But... I mean, I didn't see it coming. I should have seen it coming, but I didn't see it coming where the robots can't tell the uh, the, the contestants impersonating Dr. Robotnik apart from, from the real thing. Dr. Robotnik, that's not the master. This is. And Corgi tells them to play it up because they're not bright. Trooper, obey me! Ignore him! Obey me! I like this one. I'm the fattest! Obey me! <laughs> Does not compute my brain hurts. Anyone who follows a fake master is a traitor! <laughs> you know, I think we've all been tricks! <laughs> and they all shoot each other because they think they're traitors. Oh, you're that right! One that's... I thought they were just exploding from robot confusion, no, but you're no, right, they're they shooting shoot each, each other! other. <laughs> <laughs> and that one guy who clocks it at the last second just as he dies... <laughs> you know, I think we've all been <laughs> <laughs> Woo! Great TV! <laughs> Never send a robot to do a man's job. So Robotnik goes down to deal with it personally. No backup at all by the signs of all things. He just shows up. <laughs> but they've all escaped. They're all gone. The studio has cleared out. At least I'm spared any further embarrassment. Until he turns around and says that the camera is still there. And still rolling, and everyone's watching him look a right wally on the telly. <laughs> Including the Freedom Fighters. Yeah, we get to see them sitting there pointing and laughing at the screen. He's lost his cool and looks a fool, says our tales. <laughs> and then and it then ends on a gag. Of lovely end gag. Yeah, this is fantastic. It cuts to later, back at Citadel Robotnik, and... Uh, there's a hammer been put through the TV. <laughs> a big sledgehammer. <laughs> not just a little ball-peen job. A full-on two-handed sledgehammer through the TV. And Grimer goes, Nothing on TV tonight, sir. <laughs> Shut up! <laughs> the end. And then a weird final caption, I thought. Stay tuned to STC every fortnight, boomers. It's like they won't ever just say the end. They always feel like they have yeah. to say, but don't worry, the there's going to be but. another comic next issue. 
But they just didn't say anything about it. They just made a TV joke instead. Stay tuned. Yeah. Well, it's odd because normally they'll tell you what's next issue. Like, we're not losing more pages, are we? No, no, no. There's a there's a strip next issue. Yeah. Uh, I don't know what it is offhand. I've no idea. Yeah. But, um, no, that one was good. Yeah. You serve that up to me, the last five pages of the issue, after I was supposed to have had three strips of cool, awesome excitement? Nah, this is where I like my little jokey jokes. <laughs> and, uh, and this was a funny one. This issue is like, uh, it's like the STC joke book. It's a silly issue. And then with this odd Knuckles seriousness in the middle. Yeah. And I happened to be in that mood today, or yesterday, I don't know. I don't know what to tell you, I just enjoyed it. That's fair, that's fair. You wouldn't call it a good representative issue of Sonic the comic, though. No, it's a distinct change in tone, and one which both of us are worried we remember may happen permanently later on. Yes, it's one thing to be in the mood for it, for one given issue. Mm. It's another thing entirely for it to be the comic. Um, I love Johnny literally falling <laughs> off the sofa, laughing off panel, you know. He's just an arse and a pair of ears poking in, yeah. Something about the sheer unremarkability of Johnny Lightfoot as an individual, or the fact that he's just <laughs> hidden behind the TV screen, falling over. <laughs> Speed lines! Speed lines! Continuing the computer drawing theme, we've got a letter from Andy Watts in Romsey, Hampshire, who writes in to say, I thought you might be interested in a sonic picture which I drew on my PC using Corel Draw. (laughs) Even if I am 18 years of age, I still think it would be way cool if you could print it in SDC. Can you help? And Megadroid replies, Anything to help the aged Andy? (laughs) Uh, (laughs) And the picture is printed uh, right above. Uh, Yes. And it's a computer drawing. Yes, coral uh, paint, coral photo paint I used to have before Photoshop. They used mm, to make I had stuff. one of them, yeah. I had some component of it, yeah. The draw program was entirely vector-based, as I recall, so you can see the, the smoothness mm. of the lines here. Oh, it's very smooth. He must have sent the disc in. Andy Watts is worth a mention. Oh? Andy Watts. I didn't realise he was so much older than we were. That explains a lot. Um... Andy only three years older, to be fair, but but that's the well, ridiculous thing, isn't it? He's only three years yeah. older, but the inconceivable mm. gulf yeah. between, well, I suppose four years. We're, we're still 14, but we will. Yes. We're going to turn 15, but let's say four. But the inconceivable gulf between being the age we were at the time and being 18, <laughs> you know, the grown-up age. Yeah. Andy Watts is one of the people who had a prominent Sonic website. Oh! Oh! And what's really interesting is it's still up. Oh, wow. Much like with Alessandro's. Yes. So I can just link you to this now. Wait a minute. Um, And you'll see something immediately when you see it. Fortune City! Yeah. Oh, boy! Oh! Oh! oh. (laughs) 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 He's, He's doing like a... Not... Double take, not triple take. What's the word for ten? <laughs> it, it's the drawing! It's the very drawing that he's had printed here. Or just the head of it, but it is animated and it is winking at you. Coloured differently, but... Yes, no gradient. But yeah, it's the same piece of line art animated to wink. This is... Uh-huh. Incroyable. <laughs> it is a piece of history, this. Check out the picture I got printed in STC number 96, Sonic AW.GIF. This website was put up around the time this picture was printed in SDC, and it has not been updated since. Although, I did find on Twitter, uh, there's a guy called Ryan Langley who uh, has a Twitter account called Sonic the Hedge Blog. Yes, I know that one. Yeah, and he's posted, it was via him that I found this, he's posted that that was 
the first Sonic fan site he remembers going to, and he used to come and check it regularly to see what new wallpapers he had or which Aww. new links to other communities there were for Sonic stuff because Google wasn't around yet. Um, Web rings! Yeah. He's just got little write-ups of, of little things, a description of what, you know, Sonic and Knuckles is, what Triple Trouble was. That's just absolutely tremendous. That you... Mm. He's got some of the official Sonic Jam wallpapers up, and you can just go and get those now. <laughs> There's no... I don't have words! It's You don't get it anywhere other than this podcast, do you? You no. don't. You simply don't. Wouldn't have thought. You wouldn't... Look, if you were just sitting reading this comic in scans, you wouldn't go and look that up. Oh, look what he's got. He's got a photograph on the website of... Sonic slippers you used to be able to get from BHS. <laughs> ah. And they're like, it's like a plush oh, toy of look, Sonic. Yes, these are very familiar, yes. It's like a plush toy of Sonic giving you the finger, but with a hole in his stomach to put your foot in. <laughs> I've just noticed as well, he's included his email address in the picture. Oh, lovely, yeah. Sonic Comics, latest issues that I have. And it's issue number... 119 of STC is the oh, latest. Ways in the future yet? Couple of. Uh, mm-hmm. Oh, that's that's most of the next year. 119. He must have really tapped out when he turned 20. Yes. Uh, miscellaneous Sonic photos. You got the Sonic Hot Air Balloon, the Sonic Hot Air Balloon 2, the Sega Blimp, and finally Japanese stamp brackets. Not Sonic. And I've looked and no, sure enough, it's not Sonic. Sure enough, it ain't. <laughs> Nothing to do with Sonic. These pages are best viewed with a high color or better graphics card with Netscape or Internet Explorer 3.0. No Java, no frames, 100% pure content. <laughs> Con- that's what it says, pure yep. content. Yep. Wow. Oh, wow, that sounds like something you'd say today. It does, doesn't it? 100% pure content. Oh, wow. Even uh, ahead the, of the times. Time's a flat circle, isn't it? Yeah. Okay, so next... Taking the hickey, hey, because it's from somebody called Hickey. Huh? Q, how did Tails do in his exams? I say, I say, I say. I don't know, Mr. Wilmer. How did Tails do in his exams? A, he passed with flying colours. Yeah! Fly from Darren Hickey. Flying like a bird flies. Battle of Lane, County Cork, Republic of Ireland, Mega Drive owner, Sega Mega Hog Tag winner. Mega Drive doesn't even feel the need to reply to that one. <laughs> Is that the just first time? The, yeah. <laughs> just posts the joke without comment. Couldn't be bothered. I obviously thought there was no need, thought it spoke for itself. Yeah. <laughs> Stands up all by itself. Interpret that as you see fit. <laughs> <laughs> Then the last letter is called Parental <laughs> Approval, and it comes in from Matt Page in mm-hmm. Worthing, West Sussex. And he says, Dear STC, I'm not the only one in our house who's a Chaotix fan. And to prove it, mm. here's a picture drawn by my mom! Yes! <laughs> Mums of STC! Who, like me, reads the comic... Dear me, Dave, that was a bit readers' wives. Uh, <laughs> yeah, like the, the gallery zone next issue is Mums of STC, <laughs> and I'm looking forward to it. Matthew Page's mum, who, like him, reads the comic each fortnight. Thank you, good. And Megadroid replies to say, that's what I call a superior mother. A nun joke for you there, folks. Oh, yes. Because down below, they've printed Barbara Page's oh, picture Barbara. of the Chaotix. Get in touch. What a tremendous picture it is, too. It is. No, it is. This is someone who can draw. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's copied from Richard Elson yes. artwork, so, you know. But but it's copied by someone with skill. Yep. It's a Mega Drive 2. 
and the Chaotics are annoyed at it. And they're kicking it and they're punching it. They're all like small. and If you imagine a life-size yeah. Mega Drive, they're all small in scale standing around yeah. it. They're the size of little toys. And they're giving it a kick and a punch. And Vector is going, it's no good. We'll never get into it without that 32X add-on. That's a, that's a good little gag. Yeah. Ah, oh, diddly dupe. It's just not fair. And then Espio's giving it a kick and saying, there's got to be a way somehow, just off at the side. And the caption at the bottom drawn in by Mrs. Page reads, Chaotix crew on the Mega Drive. Unavailability, part one. <laughs> like it was a comic strip. They are a family that does not own a 32X. <laughs> yeah, well, yes, like all families. <laughs> and are giving off about it. They're venting their frustrations artistically. <laughs> That's brilliant. brilliant. More people's mums must send in work. Yes. To us. To us specifically. Anything in our mailbag this issue, Dave? Yes, we have. It's your letters. It's your letters. It's your letters. It's your letters. I am delighted by the first one. We've got one here from... well, actually, they haven't signed the end of the email, and I'm I'm loath to. Oh, we can't send them their water fun game then. No, no, yeah. <laughs> so I'm loath to read out the name in the in the email line because sometimes it's a name that they that people don't want us to read out. So, sure. Um, so please send in your name if you want your water fun. We we will we will not be giving out water fun games, but send in your name if you want credit. And it's titled "References to STC in Sonic Prime." Episode one. Oh, oh. So, yes, we've both watched yes. Sonic Prime. Yes. It's all right, actually. It's brand, As we record this, it's brand new. It's just come out a couple of days ago. Just came out, what, two days ago? Yeah. yeah. So we're watching that. And they have said, hello, Dave and Chris, and whoever else might be on this episode of this brilliant podcast. It's just us this week. As of writing this, I am 11 years old. Yes. Yes! Oh, yes! Oh, yes! Yeah, I'm so happy. Hello to you! Hello! There are kids listening to this. I hope we haven't been mean. <laughs> I'm sorry about all the swears this episode. <laughs> well, there's but you've never heard one. You remain uncorrupted. I feel like there was one, but it was really funny, so I didn't censor it. And that was funny. <laughs> As of writing this, I am 11 years old and was first introduced to Sonic the Comic by a video from the YouTuber Johnny Vector. I know the fellow. Two two people from Sonic the Comic, Johnny Vector. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably the, the reference, yeah. right? Probably. probably. Maybe. Now, on to the four. Count them. Four references. One. When Sonic gives Tails some comics... On the cover, it has the image of Night Tales that keeps being thrown around on the internet. <laughs> so they've seen that people posting that one around. Two, Sonic is sent to a world where he never existed, which could be a reference to issue whatever it was. <laughs> oh, is that issue? Is that issue nine? Uh, nine. With the six nine. month jump. Yeah. Yes. Three, Sonic busts a Badnik to find it has no Mobian inside it. Mm. Trooper Badniks. Yes. Yeah. Four. Rusty Rose is an enhanced cyborg version of Amy with a flicky inside her. She ends up resisting the brainwashing powers, becoming a powerful cyborg. Does that remind you of a certain cybernic? Sorry if that was long. Keep up the good work. Humes who think they're in charge. Oh, I'd like to believe they're STC references, but 
I, I don't, honestly, you know. Uh, Tales with a Sword does not an STC reference make. Although I won't lie, mm. you know, I was watching the episode and I was like, ooh, Sonic's just been blasted on a journey through space and time to wind up in a world that's been completely yeah. conquered by a Robotnik where he faces off with new red larger Badniks and bops <laughs> yeah. them to find they have no animals inside them. Very big STC vibes, yes and no mistake. Yeah, that's the thing. But the simple conceit of, of Robotnik, mean, the conceit of Robotnik having... See, like, I'm slipping into Robotnik talk when it's obviously <laughs> Eggman in the show, but, you know, the conceit of there being badniks without animals in them is not an STC original thing. You know, you had SWAT bots in, uh, in oh, the, yeah. Archie and the Deke shows, but that wasn't anything special, because, like, like, in Archie, the SWAT bots were the manufactured ones, and then you roboticized animals yeah, to get made some robots, the equivalent yeah. in that. But the fact that Sonic very specifically goes, hey, it's weird that there's no Flicky in this. Mm. I'll tell you what, that reminded me of from STC. It reminded me of that incorrect thing in the Sonic 3D review where they were like, Flickies are the rabbits and turtles and things that come out of robots. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a little bit, right? But uh, Flickies are the only animals they've yeah. shown us in, in Sonic Prime. So that's, yeah. And again, you know, the idea of Amy being a cyborg who gets saved. I mean, it's as much like Bunny Rabbit as it is like Short Fuse. Yeah. So these are just ideas that grow out of the core concept of Sonic game stuff, which Sonic Prime is basically the first cartoon to actually play with. Yeah. The, the real game world, which is then, you know, he's sent from something that actually looks and feels like the... Dave, he picked up rings. I uh, get, yeah, and yeah. He picked up rings to keep himself safe. Nothing's ever done that. <laughs> STC doesn't even do that. No, not really. I mean, they reference it occasionally. Very it early happens on, in the yeah. yearbooks, but very early yeah. on, yeah. He, and he lost, there's a bit where he lost rings. Yeah, he get, get walloped and he goes, bling. There was an episode where he pulled a thorn out of his head and, and it went, went bang, like a spike. Yeah. Yes, please. <laughs> yes, thank you very much. More thank you. Now just make a real proper Sonic cartoon where you just do Sonic stuff instead of multiverse stuff and we will be laughing. Oh, oh that'd be great. Goodness, but yes. yes, given what we have here of Sonic being sent into a future where they lost and Robotnik took over with the city... Big STC vibes. I doubt it's an actual reference. Yeah, but there's the the, the vibes are mm. real. But I I I'd love to believe a you know someone's gonna have to pop up and say hello. My name is Shorty the Squirrel. Yeah, Robotnik trapped me inside this armor, but I resisted his brainwashing. <laughs> no, it's, you know, it's for me to believe it's a real a real true and proper STC. I just I just don't believe an American. <laughs> Or, or Canadians, in the case of uh, the people voicing Boom, would make a deliberate reference to STC. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well. Or would be allowed to. Yeah, well, that's that's the main reason, isn't it? Though They probably aren't allowed no, to. No, no, it's not. Actually, it's not. A, the main reason, I think, is I just don't believe Americans would do it. That is actually the, <laughs> the real main reason I think that. <laughs> okay, so thanks to you. Um... You wonderful little 11-year-old yes! person. Oh, please continue to listen and write Yes. In. That's amazing. I'm so happy about that. And get all your mates. Get all your mates listening. Anyone get who's into... Share the comic with Anyone them. you ever meet who likes Sonic... Get them on to, not necessarily us, because we can yeah, be no, rude sometimes. STC, but that's STC. the big thing. Get them on to that. Yeah. yeah. We have another one here, which is very nice. It's called Bit Sappy, Feel Free to Skip Bits. <laughs> but I don't need to, it's not long. And it just says, Hiya Chris and Dave. Uh, this might be a bit much for a Sonic the Hedgehog podcast, but here goes. I've written into the show before, under a different name. So this is partly to correct the record, but also to say this. I started listening to the podcast in early 2020. Life's changed a lot since then, and yes. the biggest change for me has been realising I am, and coming out as, a trans woman. Hey. I genuinely do not think this would have happened 
without the community I found through this podcast. Oh my goodness, that's tremendous. I mean, and associates, brain mages, Twitch streams, various Twitter and Discord folks. Yeah, we've got a little extended family of communities, haven't we? And it's Yes, this has happened a few times in our vicinity now, and it's lovely every time because, I don't know, you feel like that must mean people see you as a safe person then. Oh, that's j- just wonderful. You know, yeah. th- in in communities I've been a part of yeah. over the years, I, I have seen literal children mm-hmm. become full real adult people <laughs> in the length of time I've been part of these communities and fandoms. Yeah. I have seen them achieve their dream jobs, yeah. and I have seen them become their true selves yeah. in this way. And it's it's a great thing to be able to see and to experience as some older person in fandom, seeing young people coming in, enjoying thriving, mm. thriving, you know, yeah. and, and finding energy and life in that. Yeah. And to, to know, as I've said it before, anytime anybody ever pays a compliment on that, that's serious and real, human, important to level. Yeah. It is a ridiculous privilege and honor to know you played even the most tangential role in anybody yeah. being able to achieve that for themselves. Yeah, and uh, uh, so the email goes on. I wanted to thank the two of you for fostering such a lovely, chill oasis in what is otherwise a a pretty hostile internet. Yeah, good. I feel like I have to apologise for all the swears in this episode again. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I've deliberately... I've I've exposed your mean grouchiness (laughs) by deliberately putting these nice emails in here. Uh, I I still have, says the email, no real interest in Sonic. (laughs) That hasn't changed. (laughs) But I am very, very glad I found this show now more than ever. Oh, that's interesting. So, So you're listening to this. And I know you're listening to this, like, quite a lot. And and having no interest in Sonic, that's fascinating. What are you listening for? Like <laughs> There are people we get who listen who don't care, you yeah. know, who, who, coming in off of our other work, you know? Yeah, I love that. I, 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 that's what I want. I want this to be an independent thing that you can enjoy by itself. But I'm just surprised it is, you know? It's the fact that it's, it's very easy to understand someone sticking their head in and checking it out because they enjoyed something yes. that we did somewhere else. It's the fact mm. that you all stick around yes. that is, 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 is very humbling. <laughs> yes. So I'm very glad I found this show now more than ever. Also, I did some maths. The last issue of STC with any original strips came out about two weeks before I was born, in case you needed a jolt of existential pain after all this sincerity. <laughs> Thank you both so much. And that is from Zoe, who we know from our... She's on our Discord and uh, has certainly been in our general periphery for a while. Thank you, Zoe, for writing in, for listening, and uh, I'm very happy for you, to put it simply. Yeah. And one little one. You know how STC likes to include an email sometimes yeah. and point out that it's an email? Well, I think our equivalent is when I read out the uh, comments we get on our Patreon now and then. <laughs> and, uh, Please do. We should do that more often. Yeah, exactly. So here's one from Marcus Black who says, With regards to the latest episode discussion about Sonic 3D, I can give you a, a blast from the past. Like a 3D blast. I bought Sonic 3D probably at the same time as Dave from Woolworths. Woolworths? Remember Woolworths? (laughs) (laughs) I also loved it at the time, but it's definitely not stuck in my brain the way the 2D games have. I'm doing a playthrough of the 3D games at the minute. Completed Sonic Adventure 1 and 2 so far, now on Heroes, because I haven't played any of them. And, ah, not gonna lie, they're alright. Not great, but (laughs) alright. How far did he say he was into them, sir? Uh, Sonic Heroes, the point at which they stopped being (laughs) alright. Sonic Heroes, yeah, did you... 
Mm, uh, yes. <laughs> mm, it, get, it gets a bit dark for a couple of years after that. <laughs> a solid decade, perhaps, nearly. Mm. <laughs> mm. Yes. Don't worry, there's light at the end of the tunnel. So that was our mailbag. If you'd like to be in it, then you can write to stctpodcast at gmail.com. Well, that's going to bring us to the end of another issue. So now we got to flip back to the Control Zone page to see what's happening next issue. Oh, yes. Heartening news, because it's the Valentine's issue, remember? Heartening, heartening yeah. news. The Maniacs are back in a dead, dead, like they're dead, because it's dead, because it's Halloween, in a dead, good new story and pinup. So, yes, it is a decap pinup. And we can see from the little slice of art here that it's a Mick McMahon-drawn yes. decap. Yes! Surely our first Mick McMahon appearance in the entire series. I believe so, yes. Uh, a name we will be hearing a lot more of in the future. And I'll say, that Professor Stein, I think, looks great. Oh, this looks absolutely tremendous. I, lo I love this drawing. Yeah. This is not an opinion that will necessarily carry forward to everything he does in the comic. We'll see. Maybe we've adjusted with age, but this looks fantastic. I haven't. And I can't wait to see what Mick's decap looks like, because it looks great here. Yes, looking forward to that. Plus, Sonic Doomsday. Oh, it's all kicking off now, mate. Oh, there we go. Doom you can't. You, you got to be sparing with the name Doomsday when you're writing Sonic stories. Uh, Knuckles, victims. No, Sonic's world, boiling point. And change of art. Change of art, mm. like a change of heart, because it's a Valentine's mm. Day, it's a heart. Valentine's Day. Mm. Groovy graphics. Mm. That's SDC 97 on sale Wednesday, the 5th of February, 1997. £1.25. Do you know what I believe? With Decap Attack in there having a bit of fun, Sonic Knuckles, Sonic's World. I think these are the starts of the three stories that now take us up to issue 100. Oh, here we go. up the hill now. Oh my goodness me, if you don't know what we're talking about, stick a around. And when you're looking for those future episodes all the way up to 100 and beyond, you can find them most places good podcasts are available, but you can also download them directly. You get them if you download them directly a little earlier, you know, before your podcatchers find them. From our website directly at stctp.zone. But wherever you get it from, do leave us a review or a comment or something. Yes, please. As well as being nice and us liking them, they help us with the algorithms. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Sonic Podcast, and you can find us both there separately. I'm at Demon Tomato Dave. I am at Chris McFeely, and we're both on YouTube under those names as well. Uh, you can support the show on patreon.com slash stctp where a donation of any amount will get you access to our a bonus vault of videos looking at the Martin Adams series of Sonic novels and Dave's dreadful teenage fanfiction, The End of Mobius. The complete saga of that yes. fanfiction available now and the whole first three of the four Martin Adams novels. You're hearing this at the end of January, so we anticipate having begun something new by that point. Oh, We've got yes. one more Martin Adams novel and the secret never-before-seen, never-before-published <laughs> sequel to the end of Mobius <laughs> will be coming That's at right. you exclusively through Patreon in 1997 slash 2023. <laughs> and what fun we're all going to have with that! Our opening theme, right at the start of the show. Not this one, the one at the start. Not the one you're hearing now. No, no, no. That's from the Game Gear Sonic, by the way. It's the ending tune to that. People don't seem to know. Uh, it's a good soundtrack. Go and listen to it. I didn't know. I'm, that's me learning that now. No, it's not. I've told you before. No, I know, but again. I forgot. <laughs> it's called Synchron... Our opening theme is called Synchronize, and it's by a band called Sonic the Comic. That's what they're called. And you can find them at sonicthecomic.bandcamp.com. But we... 
have been Sonic the Comic, the podcast, and we will see you next time. Melt. 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 Glooper, glooper, stop.